0: Hello, spooky listeners. I'm Lauren. And I'm Dallas.
1: And welcome to Spooky Spooky Talk. Talk. Spooky. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Happy 2024.
0: You forgot to talk about what the podcast is. You forgot your intro?
1: No. Okay. So we talk about true crime, paranormal, extraterrestrials, anything that's spooky. My mistake. Oh, wait.
0: No, you did cover that, didn't you?
1: I think they know by now, but for those who are new, welcome. It's Nice to meet you. Um, We talk about all of the things that I said above and then some, and if you want to send us case suggestions, we have an email at spookytalkpodcast at gmail.com, but
0: we might even be talking about the extremely low lake levels.
1: Yeah, there's a story about that. Uh, Stay tuned for after the show for that. But I thought we would celebrate the bringing of the new year with a survivor story today. So, this is called Slumber Party Survivor. And uh, you want to go ahead and take it away, Dallas?
0: I was just about to. <laughs> yeah. Making Warning. The following episode contains cuss words. Sexual assault of a minor. Sexual assault. Murder. Child death. Child abuse alcohol and drug addiction, and graphic dialogue. Listener discretion is advised.
1: I'm sure most of us have positive memories about childhood slumber parties. Whether it was a group or just you and your bestie, it was always going to be fun. Staying up late, probably talking about boys and boy bands or whatever they talk about now, you would never expect to have the fight of your life when sleeping at a friend's house. Get to that house, get to that house, was the only thing running through 10-year-old Crystal Surless' mind. It was 4 a.m. January 1st, 2000, and she was focused on the porch light of the neighbor's house that she was approaching. Crystal pounded on the front door, waking up the couple that lived there. When Crystal heard a man ask, Who's there? She just continued to knock harder. When he opened the door, he was shocked to see a small girl, covered in blood, and her throat had been cut. Unable to speak, she motioned for a pad of paper. She scribbled a couple of sentences as the man called 911. When paramedics and police arrived, they gave the bloody note to one of the officers, and it said, The Harrises are hurt. Tell them to hurry, and will I live? December 31, 1999, was supposed to be a fun night. Ten year old Crystal Surlace was with her best friend Katie Harris's house. Katie was thirteen and a very popular girl. The two girls were very excited to stay up late and celebrate the new year together. Crystal and her seven year old sister Mark were staying at the Harris's house in Del Rio, Texas while her mom Pam finished packing up the last of their belongings in Kansas um so her sister's name is Mark but it's spelled. M-A-R-Q. So, I don't know. If, I guess that's just the feminine. a
0: hey, hey, mock. <laughs> yeah.
1: Pam was moving her and her girls to a house that was close to the Harris's, and they offered to watch the kids for help. Being a single parent, Pam accepted the offer. Five years earlier, she had gotten into drugs with her husband, Mark, Crystal recalls that her dad would sleep all day and she was always late for school and was known as the smelly kid. Pam wanted a lifestyle change. She got clean and filed for divorce. She packed up the kids and moved to get away from Mark. He chose the drugs over his girls and that broke Crystal's heart. Mark got into even more trouble and is in Ada County Jail in Boise, Idaho. Pam and her kids were seeing Texas as a fresh start, and they were ready to live their lives in happiness. Crystal and Katie were going to sleep in her room since she had bunk beds. Crystal's younger sister, Mark, wanted to stay up late with the girls. Being only seven, the two older girls made excuses on why Mark couldn't sleep on the floor or wasn't cool enough. They sent her across the hall to her own room, where she lay in her bed just stewing. The two talked about Britney Spears and NSYNC and they stayed up until midnight, made some noise and went to bed. Um, I watched a few YouTube videos with interviews and one of the interviews is with Mark and she says she remembers when she was laying in her bed, she was just pissed and she like she stayed up late on her own too. But like she said, she was just mad all night (laughs) while the house slept, evil was stalking close by. Tommy Lynn Sells, who was the self-proclaimed coast-to-coast killer, approached the house and found an open window. He knew the layout of the floor plan already. He knew the Harris family from church, and they recently purchased a truck from him. They even invited him into their cookie-cutter house before. Tom made his way to Katie's room and turned on her bedside light. Armed with an 11-inch butcher knife, He covered Katie's mouth and cut her clothes off her body. He sexually assaulted her and proceeded to stab her 16 times when she started to fight back. Crystal awoke to what she thought was a scream and lifted her head to only freeze in horror. She saw Katie looking straight at her with a man's hand over her mouth. The large man was behind her and his knife was pressed against her throat. In a swift motion, he slit Katie's throat and she dropped to the ground. Tommy went to leave the room, but turned and took one last look and saw Crystal staring at him from the top bunk. He told her to move her hands as she tried to protect her neck. Without hesitation, he slit her throat, turned off the light, and disappeared into the night. Feeling the blood drip from her throat, Crystal knew that she had to get help. She crawled over to Katie's nude body and tried to tell her what was that it was going to be okay, but no words came out. Her vocal cords had been cut, and Katie was making a horrible choking sound. As Crystal dragged herself down the hall, she was terrified that the man might still be in the house. As she crept outside, she heard a car speed off. She wasn't sure if that was the killer or not, but she had to take a chance. The Harris' house was out a ways in the middle of nowhere. Houses that were nearby were still a good distance. She saw a faint light and headed for it get to that house, get to that house. It was 6 a.m. when Pam got the phone call. She was told that there was an accident and they need her consent to life flight Crystal to San Antonio Hospital since theirs wasn't equipped for her injuries. Pam said, save my daughter and scrambled to get on the soonest flight. The only information she was given was that Crystal's throat had been cut. So Dallas and I aren't parents, but... We're an aunt and uncle, and I, can you imagine, like, if we were told our niece had her throat cut? Right. What kind of panic that would be? I can only imagine if it was, like, my actual child. So. Mark was just as confused because when she woke up the next morning, there was an unfamiliar woman in her room. She didn't recognize her, but the woman told her to get dressed, and Mark did. She was shocked as she exited her bedroom to find a bloody crime scene. More confusion came when she noticed blood on the walls and in the hallway, even on the walkway outside. She didn't know what was happening, but everyone was upset and crying.
0: This is an intense story.
1: It's, Yeah, it is. Pam arrived at the hospital and broke down when she saw Crystal. Pam said that she looked so small in the gigantic bed with tubes coming out of her and a machine that kept her breathing. Her vocal cords and trachea had been cut in half. Despite her own condition, her main concern was Katie. She wanted to know if she had made it, but Pam couldn't tell her daughter that her best friend was gone. Texas Rangers came to interview Crystal, and they had a forensic sketch artist with them. Crystal wrote down the description of the man, scruffy hair, big scary bushy beard, his eyes were dark, and mean. With the help of the sketch, police zeroed in on Tommy Lynn's cells quickly. He was no stranger to the police, and the sketch looked just like him. The next day, the rangers brought Crystal a photo lineup for her to look through to see if she recognized the man that attacked her. They waited anxiously as Crystal slowly gazed over the photos, and she paused and pointed to Tommy Lee's cell's picture.
0: Can you imagine like (laughs) the, uh, the sketch, the sketch artist draws a picture, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we know that cocksucker."
1: That's pretty much kind of what happened. Like, I, I'll post, I'll see if I can find a picture of the sketch, but it, it looks a lot like him. So, it was kind of when she, they kind of already knew, but and photo lineups are not like they are in Law and Order or anything like that. Like, I had to look at a photo lineup once, and what they do is they put you in a little tiny room that's really hot and they have a binder and they make you sign this paper saying that yeah like if i see the person i'll i'll tell you and uh (laughs) they they sit there and they stare at you the whole time as you're flipping through these pictures in this binder
0: yeah because they want to see your body reaction, your body language to what you're yeah, seeing. Yeah,
1: they want to see if I OJ it, my eyes get huge and wide when I see one person, but no, they, the dude that we were looking for was not in there. <laughs> but it was it was interesting, because I thought it was going to be like the piece of paper with six pictures on it. No, but it was a whole binder, and there was like 15 pictures I had to look through.
0: So see, what we got here is we got all our diddlers in this book. This is our book of diddlers. <laughs> Search through it, see if you find your diddler.
1: Well, it's like the suspect, like, let's just say, like, they were looking for was red hair. So they would pull all of, like, and let's say the name is, like, Hank or something. They would pull all of the Hanks with red hair and put them in the book. And then you would go through every single Hank with red hair. It's it's weird the way they do it. Like, I, it was way different than I ever thought it was going to be, so... With Crystal's ID, the investigators made the drive from San Antonio back to Del Rio. In two and a half hours at 5.30 in the morning, they arrived on Tommy's doorstep. He opened the door when they knocked and said, I'm glad I finally got caught. I'm tired of doing this. He was placed under arrest for murder. Pam had received the call that there had been an arrest. She sat with Crystal through recovery and brought her a mirror because Crystal wanted to see herself. She cried at first, but gathered the strength to believe her mom that it would get better. The Texas Rangers suggested that Pam walk the crime scene so she could see the struggle and it might help her in her daughter's recovery. Pam said that her knees got weak and she couldn't handle the sight of the amount of blood that Crystal lost. When police went to speak with Tommy, they were caught by surprise when he said, So, I guess you want to know about the other ones. Police knew that Tommy had a record. In and out of jail for drugs, petty theft, and assault, they were able to link him to 22 crimes, even though they claimed to have killed at least 70. Tommy's crime spree lasted 20 years, but it was finally over. It, The way he looked, it just made me think of on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when Charlie Sheen and Jennifer Gray are in the police station. And he's sitting there, and she's like, what are you in for? And he's all, drugs. (laughs) That's kind of what, like, it just made me think of, which is really terrible, but that's where my, my brain went. Tommy Lynn Sells was born in 1964 in Oakland, California. He was one out of a set of twins, but the other died at 18 months of spinal meningitis. It is an inflammation of brain and spinal cord membranes, Typically caused by an infection. Symptoms can range from fever, vomiting, limb pain, and confusion. If gone untreated, it will cause paralysis, stroke, and death. And it is also extremely painful. Ugh.
0: Doesn't sound very fun.
1: No, not at all. Childhood would not be easy for Tommy either. Being one of seven kids with mostly absent father and single mother, money was always tight. He was made fun of at school consistently. At age 7, he was notorious for breaking into his grandfather's liquor cabinet and consuming as much as he could. At 8, he had a relationship with an adult man who was encouraged to molest him by Tommy's own mother. At 10 years old, he was regularly smoking weed. At 13, he climbed into his grandmother's bed naked, and that was the final straw for his family. They abandoned Tommy and cut off all ties with him. Wow, I, I know, right? This like this
0: kid was wild as a child. Holy crap!
1: Yeah, and if you could show me somebody that has like a shittier hand of cards at life, like he was, it seemed like he was almost like set up for failure from the beginning. Yeah. So. Tommy soon began to train hop and hitchhike to make his way across the U.S. He took odd jobs to get by and did a lot of hard drugs. He had an arrest here or there, but nothing was permanent. In 1985, he found work as a carny and met Ina Court and her four-year-old son Rory in Missouri. She invited him over and they had sex. Tommy claims that he woke up to Ina taking money out of his wallet. He beat her and her son to death with Rory's baseball bat. Because, you know, they both had to die.
0: No witnesses.
1: No witnesses.
0: And I'm not gonna... Like, he just killed the mom. He's not gonna take care of this child. It's not even his.
1: Yeah, I guess. In May of 1987, Suzanne Quartz disappeared in Rockport, New York after being seen leaving a bar with Tommy. Her remains were found Eight years later, near Niagara Falls, October of 1987, Tommy strangled 21 year old Stephanie Kelly. He said he dumped her body in a hot spring, but her body was never found. In nineteen ninety two, he attacked Fabine Witherspoon. She invited him to she invited him into her house, and he instantly grabbed a kitchen knife and threatened her. She fought back hard and was able to get the knife from him. She punctured his liver, kidney, and sliced his testicles. All right, girl, get him. He also suffered from a hand laceration. He only served five years for malicious wounding. His crimes were mainly against women and children, but Tommy Lynn Sells killed men, too. In 1987, he killed father of two, Keith Dardine. Tommy shot him in the head three times and cut off his penis. <sighs>
0: Holy smokes.
1: Whoa. Can you imagine doing that to another man?
0: Uh, Not often.
1: (laughs) Sometimes I think of murder. But no one was safe from him. And after all that, Tommy was only charged with two murders. September 12th of 2000, Tommy stands trial for the murder of Katie Harris. Crystal would have to testify against him and face him in court. She told her mom not to cry because she would cry, and she was responsible for getting Katie justice. Pam gave her daughter a ring with a dangling cross that Crystal wore to give her strength. She clutched the cross in her fingers as she recalled the events of her best friend's horrible murder and her fight for survival. Tommy's defense attorney only asked Crystal two questions. Where were your hands? And Crystal pulled them up to her neck. Next, he asked, why? Through tears, Crystal's answer was, I saw what he did to Katie, and I knew he was going to do it to me. Even with Tommy clean-shaven, hid his tattoos, and wore glasses, Crystal was still strong enough to point him out as the man that attacked her and Katie Harris. And I know you guys can't see me, but I'm going to show Dallas. She had her hands kind of up like this.
0: Two fists in the front of her neck.
1: Under my chin. on, on
0: Right under her chin. Kind of chin tucked down onto the fingers, knuckles up.
1: Yeah, like completely covering your neck. And if you go on YouTube and type in uh, her name, there's... A lot of videos where it's showing that one particular scene in the courtroom where she's showing them what she did with her hands and that she was so afraid that, you know, because she knew he was going to try to kill her too. Tommy didn't testify. The prosecution explained that the crime was sexually motivated. They played a video of Tommy walking police through the crime scene. He explained how he saw the open window and took the screen off. He climbed in and found Mark asleep in one bedroom, but went to Katie's room instead. He described how he assaulted her and killed her. He considered killing everyone in the house when he spotted Crystal. He demonstrated how he cut her throat and left. The tone throughout the video was very dry and unemotional. He talked as if it was a regular day. And that's kind of how it was. Like... he. That video is on YouTube, too. It shows him, actually. He's like, yeah, then I came over here, and he's like, I saw this was open, so I took the screen off, and it shows him, like, actually climbing in the window, and then he's just like, yeah, you know, I did that, Did and he, like, kind of just makes, like, a slashing motion. He's like, and then I saw the girl's eyes open on the top bunk. He's like, so I popped up there and cut her throat, and then I just left.
0: Just kind of like a play-by-play of his day.
1: Yeah, so it was almost just, like, it was very, just, like, matter of fact, like, this is what I did today, kind of, like, something you would write in a, gi- like, a journal or a diary or something. At the end of the video, he said that his father told him that dead men tell no tales, and he always thought of that. So, like, I don't know if his dad was, like, a pirate or something.
0: Swashbucket eyes.
1: Investigators also retrieved the murder weapon from the bushes in front of Tommy's house. It gave them chills that the blade had been sharpened so much that the blade was thin and I'm sorry that we're laughing. We laugh because we're uncomfortable, like this <laughs> just it's it's a lot. This story's pretty heavy, so this is kind of how we cope with it. <laughs> Tommy did plead guilty to the assault on Crystal to try and look good and show that he did retake responsibility, but it didn't matter. The jury came back after only one hour of deliberation and found him guilty. They also voted that he get death. The three-day trial was finally over. In April 2014, Tommy was executed by lethal injection at the age of 49 in Huntsville, Texas. He was pronounced dead at 6.27 p.m. Crystal and the Harris family attended the execution. He declined to make a final statement, and in the end, they diagnosed him with personality disorder and bipolar. The monster was finally gone for good. I tried to find like what he ate for his last meal, just out of curiosity, but I guess it wasn't... I guess they didn't bother... There was no reason to document it, but yeah, so I couldn't find anything like that. But he was an asshole and just didn't say anything, just laid there and said, Put the needle in me. As if Crystal hasn't suffered enough in 2016, 17 years after the attack, she became the victim of cyber stalking. Alvin Willie George sent Crystal pictures of the bloody crime scene and threatened to rape and kill her and her family. He was arrested and sentenced to four years in prison. Despite all of the challenges that lie ahead of her, Crystal is thriving. Her scar is still present but fading, and she refuses to let Tommy have any power over her. Now she cries happy tears and said that Katie's soul was with her that night, carrying her. And she is so thankful that she survived.
0: Wow. Yeah. What a story.
1: She was a fighter, and I have a lot of admiration for her because I I don't know if I would... Be, I would probably just lay there and be like, I'm dead, I'm just going to lay here and bleed out. Because <laughs> I don't know if I could work up the courage to leave the room, try to make it across at least a good quarter mile to the neighbor's house, all the while holding my throat together. Right. but. Anyways, the story about the water levels in the lakes is I was kind of trying to choose between three different stories to talk about today, and I ran them by my mom and dad, and my dad asked me if i talk about anything other than gore, and...
0: Not really.
1: And I said, no, well, it's not really gore, it's just sometimes it's... It's gory Sometimes s- it's
0: murder.
1: It's gory situations, and I said I did do a spooky one, but and he's like, well, why don't you talk about, like, the water levels in the lake? It's a national crisis. And I was like, I just don't know if that really fits into my narrative. So, I, <laughs> if you want to hear about the different water levels in the lakes and how they're low or high, uh, go ahead and send me an email. If you really want to hear about it, I'll talk about it, but I don't think it's really some. I think it's, that's it's not would...
0: that kind of spooky that we're going.
1: Uh... I think that story would be better suited for maybe a podcast that talked about like national crises and disasters and.
0: And current global happenings.
1: Yeah, not really ghost stories and aliens. And I'm looking for. I wrote a whole alien one and I'm looking for that because I want to talk more about that kind of stuff, too. And then um, we got some fun ideas for the new 2024 with the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Um, It's just little tiny, silly, fun things. I mean, nothing really too like, oh, my God, but still stay tuned. It'll be fun to have little surprises throughout. So go ahead and send us an email if you have case suggestions, comments, or if you just want to chit chatty at SpookyTalkPodcast at gmail.com. Excuse me. We do have an Instagram at Spooky.Talk.Podcast.
0: Got to have the dots. You don't have the dots. Who knows what you're looking up?
1: Yeah. I will put pictures of the people that we talked about. Like, I'll put up a picture of Crystal when she was 11. And then I'll put up the picture of her now. Um, We'll do the picture of Tommy with the sketch if I can find it. And uh, if you want to go, just go to YouTube and type her name in. And a bunch of videos of her interviews come up along with Tommy's interviews and stuff like that. It was pretty interesting to watch. And I remember this story back when it first started. My mom was watching the girl on like 2020 or like. One of those, or like Dateline or something. But I remember it when I was a kid. Cause I'm a 90s baby, so. But I remember that. Mom's memory is terrible, and she says she had no idea what I was talking about. And she was horrified when she heard this story. But I was like, it was you that was watching it. <laughs> She's not really into true crime anymore. She's kind of really moved away from that. She's more interested in mummies and aliens and, and stuff. Big, and Bigfoots. Bigfoots. Bigfoots is the big thing
0: big
1: feats big feats anyways um we also have a venmo if you want to donate to the cause as spooky talk podcast uh do you have anything to add dallas
0: i do not not today
1: all righty well with that stay tuned for more and until next time stay spooky
0: see you soon bye, bye.